turn in your Bibles to Romans, Romans chapter 8, and um, I'm going to read verses 26 to 28, excuse me, 26 to 30 of Romans chapter 8. I have a couple of different versions here. I'll, I'll read from the, uh, whatever version this is, and then the, <laughs> I think it's the NIV. And then I'll read from the Message Bible a little later. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 30. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according with God's will. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined he also called, and those he called he also justified, those he justified he also glorified. It is, you know, you would think, well, what does that have to do with Mother's Day? Well, did you ever, in, in, raising our, in raising children, did you ever find a place where you didn't know what to do? <laughs> you didn't know which way to turn, you didn't know, you know, um, I, I heard this story of, a, a, you know, these two young boys, and, and uh, he was talking about how that, uh, um, the, the older and the younger, they were always, they were always fighting. And uh, so the mother got him a Nerf ball and said, I want you two to go out and play Nerf, you know, play with the football. And I know no one can get hurt because it's a Nerf ball and, you know, and no one will get hurt. And the older brother says, hmm, if you soak the Nerf ball in water for about a week and then you put it in the freezer and then you go out and play with your brother, why is he crying? <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> but I was always the younger one, you know. Yeah, I was always the youngest one. My, my, uh, my, well, anyhow, it was one of those, one of those situations. Um, but anyhow, with children and with so on, do you ever wonder what you're supposed to do next? Where do you turn? You know, how do you solve this problem? Well, when the scriptures talk to us, uh, talks to us and speaks to us about wisdom and about understanding and how that God can help us, sometimes we forget what it was like to be a child. Sometimes we forget, even if we do remember, the situations and circumstances that we grew up in is different than our children. No matter how many years, if it's just a few years or it's many years, there's a lot of differences between when we were a child and when our kids were growing up and when our kids are growing up. It's, it's a matter of, of change and transition. It's a matter of, of, of a society and, you know, I mean, just think about the internet and, and, and how they, the access to information and access to people and, you know, all the things that we can, you know, on Rhonda's phone, we have it set up. She can take a picture and remotely send it to our printer and have the, print, have the picture printed immediately. I mean, who ever heard of such a thing? Okay, maybe you did. Uh, but, but, you know, but the idea is that these things are changes. And, they, they, you know, it was, uh, we used to listen to Reg Cordic on KDKA radio when I was a kid in the barn, you know. 
And, you know, that was wonderful that we had radio, you know. And then some people even had TV (laughs) that was black and white, you know. And, you know, kids look at TVs and they say, well, what's that big thing sticking out the back? (laughs) You know, picture tube, you know. I mean, it wasn't always flat screen TVs. So things have changed. Information, access, all those things are going on. And so... um, The scripture says that God knew, verse 29 and 30 in the Message Bible says, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same same line as the life of his son. So no matter how much change and transition goes on in our society, no matter how much is there, God still has an outline according to the spiritual principles that were given to us through Jesus Christ. The Son stands first in the line of humanity that he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives in him. We see the original intended shape of our lives. No matter what, how our society changes, it is still a matter of wisdom, well, of love, of wisdom, of forgiveness, letting go of the past, embracing what God is doing in the present to give us a future. Um, after God made the decision of what his children should be like, he allowed, he followed it up by calling people by name. And after he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis of himself. And then after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. So the idea is that God has begun a work in us. Is God calling? Stevie Wonder is calling. I wonder what Stevie's calling about. Happy Mother's Day. Day. Yeah, that's it. In the other scriptures in James chapter 1, verses uh, 2 to 8, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And children are not trials. But knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and, with, and without reproach, and, he will, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. We have uh, uh, in our life, this is my first... This is my first Mother's Day without, without my mother, you know, and, um, and, we, and I will miss her phone calls asking Rhonda, well, what did David preach on today? <laughs> yeah, she always calls and wants to know what I speak on, but she doesn't talk to me. She always, always talks to my, to my wife. Um, and of course, in, in preparation for today, she would have called me yesterday and she would have told me about the sermon she heard when she was growing about up uh, growing up about a mother of mine, and she, she even had, it was uh, printed in a booklet, and she gave me that, and in a couple of occasions asked me to preach on it, because she thought it was a good sermon. <laughs> I don't have it today, so I, I just, but, but if you can think of one, if I could think of one characteristic that would dominate for, for my mother, it would be a characteristic of patience. My mother was very patient. Um, she would pray and she would wait patiently on God. My brothers weren't, I was probably the easiest one to raise, but my brothers were not. 
that's just a little joke there. Uh, um, my brothers, you know, whenever they were younger, always went to church, but as they went to the military and so on, college, they, they stopped going. And, and it wasn't that they didn't believe, it was just that um, they, oh, I'll just say, my one brother was very philosophical in his, in his uh, attempt, and my other, one brother was just totally rebellious, and he wasn't going to do anything no matter what you said, and the other one was just kind of uh, more of a good guy, you know, just one of those all-around good people. But my mother, she, she would pray, and she would pray patiently for individuals, and I've said it a number of, ca- a number of occasions that um, in, in, to the la- in her latter years, she couldn't see, but um, she had a prayer list of at least 125 people, and she would go through them every night individually and recite their name and pray for them individually, and many of you were on that list because she would want to know who was in church and, you know, uh, and uh, what their needs are, and she would pray for them. And every night she would go through the list, and she didn't have it written down, she had it in her mind. And she remembered everything. <laughs> she remembered everything. She remembered things when she was a kid. She remembered things, you know, recently. She remembered what I, I mean, she would tell me what I preached, and she would tell me what Joel Olstein preached, and what, how he preached certain things, and that I should use them. <laughs> but my mom was very patient, and um, she was a very patient individual. You know, if you lived on the farm, and grew up, and she was a very hard worker. Um, she would get up and go to the barn in the morning and help milk cows, and she would haul the milk from the cows into the milk house and pour it into the big tank, and she would take care of the calves, and she would, you know, I mean, she was very, very hard worker, and uh, took care of the family, cooked. I mean, when you talk about a person who did lots of things, she was, she was there right at the top of the list. But she was, patience, as I said, it was a characteristic, and, pati- and patience means to wait without becoming annoyed or upset. And she was very much a, a patient person. Well, I, I came across this thing, it said, patience with others is love, patience with self is hope, patience with God is faith. So as we think about waiting without becoming annoyed and upset, Patience with others is your love for them. Patience with self, that you don't get upset and annoyed with yourself, is hope. And patience with God is faith. So the, we, whenever we think of what is uh, involved in this patience, I would think of it in the context of praying. And praying the scriptures. You know, we read the scriptures, and, you know, I, I often hear, you know, families and things, you know, out and you're out with... Um, in, in stores and around them, and you hear people talk <laughs> to their children and talk to, you know, you know, amongst themselves and so on. And how much of it is derogatory and how much of it is, is putting people down? Well, you know, you're, you're stupid, you're dumb, you know, that's foolish, that, you know, those, th- those words don't belong in our vocabulary. Because if you are a patient person, the scripture talks about how that God will give us these you know, his virtues. And patience is without becoming annoyed or upset. So as we pray for people, we can actually pray for our children and pray the scriptures. 
pray that God would be, give them wisdom and guidance. And how can we pray for wisdom and guidance? We demonstrate it in ourselves. That we are not foolish in what we say. You know, we don't want our children, we don't want, you know, hopefully you don't want your children to fail. You know, you, know, you want your children to succeed. I remember the story of a, a scientist, and, a, and he said, I, mean, I can't remember who, which scientist it was, so please forgive me. Um, I'm not my mother. <laughs> she remembered everything, like my wife. But, uh, but the scientist, they said, well, what makes you such a, a great, brilliant scientist? And he said, oh, my mother. And they said, well, what do you mean your mother? He says, when I was a little child, I, reached, I was getting out of the refrigerator a, a, a glass jar of milk, and I dropped it, and it smashed on the floor. And my mother said, wow, what a, what, a, what a big mess you've made. What a great opportunity. We'll see what works to clean it up. Now we have to look at how we clean this up because it's glass, and they went through this whole process of exploring ways to clean up the mess. And then she took a glass jar outside in, 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 the, in the yard and sat down with the child and said, let's see how little hands can hold a big glass jar. <laughs> and so what she did was, and he said, and it was always an exploration. It was always a way of exploring things and how to handle things and how to deal with things. It was always an exploration, not a frustration. <laughs> Patience with others is love. Patience with self is hope. Patience with God is faith. Can we be patient with ourselves and not derogatory to ourselves? And, and as we read the scriptures, we find that God has a purpose for our life. And we wait with patience for ourselves and for God. We see that God, in 1 Corinthians 13, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. What are qualities of life that we would want to have? What are qualities of life that we would like to pass on? We must first, we pray that God would help us bring these qualities into our own lives and then pass them on to others. Love sees the twisted things of life. Love sees the tragedies of life. Love sees the secure things, the insecure, the fair, the unfair. Love isn't blind. <laughs> that's a child. And that's good. Because what does it speak of? It speaks of hope. It speaks of patience. Love finds a way to see things more clearly. Love finds a way to see things and see opportunities in what life has because we're not irritated by life. <laughs> I should learn those things, right? How many get irritated with life? <laughs> okay, so, you know, I guess, you know, those who get irritated with life stand on, on one foot and raise both hands, you know? You know, we get irritated. I mean, I don't know about you, man, I get irritated with life. 
because I'm not patient. <laughs> I'm not like my mother. Love has a way of seeing what was and what is and how that it can be molded into the future. And you see, this is where prayer and faith and hope and all these things come in, into play into our life, that it is part of who we are. And, and see, if we, if we develop who we are and, and develop who we are as a person, it enables us then to share that with our children. We're not, we're not pie in the sky in the future. It's the reality of life in the present that gives us hope for the future. It's the reality of love that embraces. And you see, where, who are the most secure children on earth? The most secure children on earth are the, the children who feel loved. And we as Christians should be the most secure children on earth. Because we are the child of God and there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. So that security and that hope inside of us does not give us a fear of failing. It gives us the security in trying. Failing is not a problem. It's living on after the mistake. Failure is, you know, there, if there is someone who is perfect... No, I don't want to say that. I say, please stand up. Some of you would stand. And say, no, sit down. Okay. But, uh, but who is perfect? He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. You're supposed to sit down, not get up on that one. <laughs> Even if it is your birthday. But the idea is that, that who, is who is perfect? No one is perfect. Who is without sin? The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we're not dealing with perfect and perfection. We're dealing with flaws and how that we overcome these difficulties. You see, love has many ways of seeing what was and what is. Teaching to make choices. We're teaching how to make choices. How do you reason things out? Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as wool. Let's come figure this out. We know that we can't do it on our own because we don't have the ability to erase our failures. But God, by his grace and his mercy, has redeemed us, purchased us from our failures, purchased us back from our failures. He has redeemed us and given us hope that is, that is not only present, but it is eternal. It is a hope that he loves us. In the, he has loved us from before the foundation of the earth. God loved us and called us and had a purpose for our life. Have we noticed that the love of God, how much it is, how great it is for us? How that the value that God has for us is in the giving of himself? We have value in what we give to others. The spiritual dynamic here, the spiritual principle, God gave himself for us. Finding that the value of our relationship with God is based upon the value of forgiveness and that relationship coming into our life. Then he tells us, forgive as you have been forgiven a value of life that we pass on. It doesn't say there's not consequences or there's not, you know, 
you know, discipline or timeouts and things like that. It's saying that we are learning how to give of ourselves in the wisdom and the guidance. And being that we are flawed in our character, we make mistakes. If we pretend to our children that we are flawless, we are teaching them wrong. But if they know that we are flawed, but yet we don't give up, that we have failed and we don't quit, we know that God has a way of working it together. So how do I work this in my life? By the love of God. Peter, the lame man, said you know, that he wanted something from Peter. And Peter, you know, he wanted alms from Peter. And Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give you. That which was within his heart, he touched the man and he was healed. God is highly confident of his own plans for each of us. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know what I'm doing. This is the, the message Bible. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. You see, God is still instilling us hope. And a hope that life cannot take away. Whether we live or whether we die, we belong to God. My mother is not alive here in this world, but she is alive, and I will see her again. Because Jesus Christ is alive, she is alive. That's the hope of the resurrection. Jesus, the first fruits of them that slept, of those that were dead, he is risen from the dead, and because he lives, I shall live also. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, he will quicken your mortal bodies. It is, it is that life-giving spirit that is alive in each of us. And it is that hope that is born from that spirit inside. The spirit of God. Ezekiel, last week, the dry bones. Anybody been playing with the golf balls? <laughs> yeah. I, I thought that was funny last week. I loved that one. You know, some of us have golf, golf ball-sized prayers and some of us have tennis ball-sized prayers. <laughs> this is a tennis ball. It's kind of got a little large. But anyhow... The idea is that we send it up, gravity says it's got to come back, right? While the, the spiritual principles that we have with God are such that we send them up, God answers our prayers. We can't send it up without it coming back. Trouble is that, remember what we did? Sometimes we're praying, we say, God, I want it this way. <laughs> and God didn't answer our prayers, did he? <laughs> But we have to focus. So we focus on God, we focus on his promise, and we watch God answer our prayers. <laughs> it comes back to us. Wisdom, wisdom, guidance, understanding. Ezekiel, he told Ezekiel, he said, prophesy to these bones. He told Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones. Ezekiel says, to the bones, the same thing God told him. Will we say to ourselves what God is speaking to us in his scripture? Will we say to our children what God is saying to us in our spirit? Will we say what God is saying? Will we say that he loves us with an unchanging, unchallenging love? Will we say that we forgive the way that God forgives us? Will we pray about situations that we don't understand the way that God has taught us to pray? 
Will we recognize that God is our Father and we are in a relationship with God that will last for an eternity? Are we, are we seeing this? So what we are doing in our prayers and doing in the raising of our children and doing in our lives, we are just reflecting what God has given us. Where does God tell us, get out of here, I don't like you anymore? Never. When does God say he's had enough of us? When does he say the riches of his grace is not enough? Never. So he wants us to understand what that grace is. He wants us to understand what that mercy is. He wants us to have his, this, this coming into our lives. Why? So we can give it and teach it. And allow his grace and mercy, his love, his forgiveness to reach our children, to reach our families. God understands what we do not say. He understands the frustration in our spirit, the groanings, our sighs, our thoughts that we direct to him. Even God knows what your thoughts are now. He feels what your heart feels. He feels what you don't say to anyone else. He knows those thoughts and he understands them because he knows us better than we know ourselves. And with all of that in place, he never turns us aside. <laughs> with all of that in place, he never pushes us aside. He always brings us in. He always brings us closer. Patience with others is love. Patience with self is hope. Patience with God is faith. Today, today I can complain about my health or I can celebrate being alive. Today I can moan that it is raining or be joyful that all that grows from the rain. Today I can regret all that I don't have or I can rejoice in everything I do have. Today I can mourn everything I have lost or eagerly anticipate what is to come. Today I can complain that I have to work or celebrate having a job. Today I can resent the mess the kids have made or give thanks that I have a family. Today I can whine about the housework or celebrate having a home. Today I can cry over the people who don't care for me or be happy, loving, and being loved by those who do. Today is a choice. I choose. I choose what I will be. I choose what I will see. I choose what I will do. You see, God has a purpose. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. God's purpose for you and I and for our children, it was not an afterthought. God's purpose for your life and my life was not something he had to come up with on the spare of a moment. Before the foundation of the earth, he knew we would be here at this moment in time, facing the obstacles and the difficulties and everything that is around us. He knew all of that. One of the things that is so surprising to me is he not only knows all of my failures, he knows all of my failures in the future, and he comes back to this moment and still says, I love you and I forgive you. We knew all of the hurts that someone would bring into our life. Would we at this moment love them? <laughs> you see, that's why 
it's so important for us to deal with our past that gives us hope in the present, that gives us a future to look forward to. That's why God tells us to forgive. Let, let judgment be with God. Don't take it on ourselves to judge. What was the song I, I said Did you sing, though? <laughs> that at the cross, um, my, my sins that, that I have done and the sins that others have done to me are nailed to the cross. Sometimes we put our sins on the cross and say, God, forgive me. But the sins that other people have done for us, to us, we have a hard time forgiving those and letting them go. Hmm. But you see, the cross covers all sin. What I have done to God and to others and what others have done to me, I forgive them and let them go. Because in that attitude of forgiveness, I can now take away the failures of my life, the obstacles that I feel other people have put in front of me. And I can remove them from who I am and who I will be. And I have a future with God. I have hope for the future. Now, there's one other thing. In Romans chapter 8, the last verse, and I need, I, need, I, need a, I need a baby who clings to mother. Do we have a baby who clings to mother back there? Huh? She's on the floor. Can you bring her here? Bring her up here if you would. If, if she, you know, and, I, and you know, don't make her cry just yet. Save that for me. Yes, 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 of course. Oh, yeah. Okay, you got to pick her up. This illustration, hopefully it'll work. You know, with kids, you just never know, all right? All right. So, and, and hopefully she'll be strange for this moment. Would you, like, come to, oh, she'll come to me. <laughs> Thank you. God bless you. But anyhow... Usually, my, 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 our little grandson, uh, Jackson, when you reach for him, he just puts his arms up over mom and like, forget it, you're not getting between me and my mother. There we go, we got that, okay? It says in Romans chapter 8, it says, I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing, can get between us and God's love. And when I read that, I thought of my grandson Jackson, how that <laughs> she likes me. <laughs> well, I just, did, did you see how my illustration just went down the tubes? <laughs> but how nothing can get between when somebody loves you and they just kind of, can you hold on my neck? Can you hang on my neck? Yeah. But anyhow, <laughs> nothing can get between God's love and, and us. You like that? Okay. But do you get the illustration? When your child hangs on your neck and won't let you go, that's the idea that nothing can get between you, you and God. Because God is holding on to you and you're holding on to him. 
and nothing can ever separate you from him. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give her a hand. Yeah. So when you read that scripture, nothing can separate you from God. It's like you're just hanging on God's neck and God is hanging on you and nothing can ever get between you. Nothing can ever separate you from God. Life nor death, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable, unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our Master, embraces us. Because of the way Jesus embraces us, nothing can get between us. 